of the sky. Look. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Thank you for joining us once again for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. I am your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime superhero fan, lifetime animation fan, and this is the podcast exclusively talking comic book-based animation. Welcome to episode 49. Let me briefly explain the rules. Number one, as like I already said, we're talking comic book animation. Number two. Big fan of the old team-up books. Marvel team-up. DC Comics presents Brave and the Bold. Marvel 2-in-1. So this is a team-up podcast every week. Me and a special guest talking comic book animation. Rule number three and most important, we got to have fun. It's going to be a little bit of extra rules. As you may or may or not know, we are counting down to the year anniversary of Matt Spectro through the multiverse. And in so, we've been bringing back our five most popular guests Episode 49, we are bringing back, he is the second most popular guest in the history of our show. Welcome back to the multiverse, Dave Walker. Hey, we are fine with 49. Dave Walker's back in the house. I may be number two, and I'm happy to be number two, baby. Well, your number two, your episode was, uh, you've been on the show multiple times, but your episode that was the most popular was the, your only solo venture. When we talked Green Lantern First Flight. That's right. Well, I'm not number one, but I'm right up there, baby. I think maybe those other guests, you had to carry those other guests, and it was uh, hampering your performance a little bit on those other episodes. I I really had my work cut out for me. I'm not one to talk trash, but, you know, you might want to look into getting some better guests, buddy. Now, do you think uh, it's... Your charming personality that leads to your popularity or the subject of Green Lantern? It's kind of both because I'm oozing charisma People are naturally attracted to me. They're drawn to me. I'm a rating superstar. You know, the audiences are desperately going to want to hear my voice, but you get Green Lantern in the mix. Green Lantern is an icon. You get Hal Jordan. We could talk about that for hours. We're not here to talk about Hal Jordan, are we? (laughs) Now, for the uh, five returning five most popular guests, I've let the guests completely decide the topic of this week's episode. So... Share with our audience, what are we going to talk about and why did you pick it? It was a really hard question because I was torn between three topics that I really wanted to choose. And when it came down to it, I had to go with the Doom Patrol. All right. We are talking the Doom Patrol. A little bit of background about them. I'm going to share some facts. Uh, You can correct or tell me I'm right. You bet I will. (laughs) I always want to throw out uh, two disclaimers. Number one, there's going to be spoilers. Number two. Not necessarily are me and my guests experts. Well, I'm not an expert on the Doom Patrol. You would fancy yourself, though, an expert on the Doom Patrol. No, you know I am an expert on the Doom Patrol. If there was an expert on the Doom Patrol, it would be me. And anyone who's listening to this right now, you may think you're a Doom Patrol expert, but you're not. (laughs) I am. There could be two experts. Yeah, okay. But they're not as much of an expert as I am. The Doom Patrol is my bag. So they were the uh, the world's strangest superhero team. They were created by Arnold Drake, Bob Haney, and Bruno uh, Premiani. 
how to say that again? Bruno Premium. Premiani, thank you. It's one of the many reasons I have guests on is because I'm horrible with pronunciation. I've heard that. First appeared back in My Greatest Adventure, number 80, back in 1963, which I believe uh, you own a copy of that. I have, well, I have every Doom Patrol comic, including My Greatest Adventure, number 80, which I bought in 1987 off the wall of the local comic shop for the kingly sum of $8. Uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find My Greatest Adventure, number 80, today for $8. No, that was uh, that was a treat. I'm so glad to have that. So, uh, background: the Doom Patrol were, uh, I guess, the way I understand it, my greatest adventure was in danger of getting cancellation. So they were looking for like a superhero team that kind of lent itself to the motif of the my greatest adventure in an attempt to try and save the comic from being canceled. Yeah, Mur- Murray Boltonoff was a uh, he was one of the head editors at DC. He wasn't as big as Julius Schwartz, but he was. He had some books that he edited and My Greatest Adventure was on its way out. So they, it was kind of, you know, they just took a chance or come up with something and see if we can uh, make something stick. And I believe with its success, they, which was common practice at the time, My Greatest Adventure actually became just the Doom Patrol. Yeah. Back then they did not, DC and Marvel did not like starting out new titles with a number one because you were taking a chance because you were trying to get these comics into a newsstand and the people that ran these newsstands didn't want, they didn't want to take a chance that this new title wasn't going to sell. But if they saw a title and it said issue 80 on it or 105, you know, you had a much better chance of, of selling the title because that, to them it had a proven history. My greatest adventure was no exception. Uh, Doom Patrol never got a number one until the eighties. It was my greatest adventure number 80. And then they rolled it over to Doom Patrol with uh, issue 87. Maybe you can confirm or deny this. Uh, the Legion of Strange was the original uh, working title. That was the title that they planned on going with when they were uh, soliciting it right before it actually came out. Uh, they cha- Yeah, they changed the name to Doom Patrol from the Legion of the Strange. Robot Man was actually called Automaton. Before, <laughs> Terrible. First, it was an awful name, but he was, yeah, Automaton. And then they changed it to Robot Man a few issues later. So it was it had some growing pains. Now, kind of novel for DC at the time, because in Marvel, it was a lot more common for the heroes not to always get along and whatnot, but DC still was really going with the the old mold of the superhero, so the Doom Patrol not getting along bickering was actually, in the DC universe, was very... uh, very modern and ahead of its time back in 1963. Yeah, that was, you didn't see it in DC. They were more straightforward heroes. I think that was at the time where DC was chasing, starting to chase Marvel and they were trying to chase some of the trends that Marvel was setting for them. So they really kind of owe Marvel on that one, but it was, it was a fun part of the book. They were always bickering. If I'm not mistaken, um, Arnold Drake and Bob Haney did a majority of the, uh, the creation bruno was the penciler and that's kind of why he gets the co-credit yeah he gets the co-credit for a lot of the designs and he was a beautiful artist like his bruno premiani is an unsung hero in in silver age art it it's holds up today if you if you look at the uh those pages they're just gorgeous and they lasted until issue 121 where in an unprecedented move Arnold Drake decided to kill the entire team in their final issue, which had never been done in the history of comic books that I'm aware of at that yeah. point. Yeah, they they were ending it and they decided to kill them. But the plan, the original plan was they wanted to get like a, a writing campaign and get all the readers to start writing letters. And they were going to wait a few months and then bring the Doom Patrol back and have them come back from the dead. That was the original plan. 
But then when they realized it wasn't going to happen, they were just like, ah, screw it. We'll let him die. And then uh, Arnold Drake quit. He ended up going to Marvel. The thing I read, which I don't know how true this is, that when it was canceled, it was selling the poultry sum of about 300,000 copies a month, which is, when you think about it in today's land, is ridiculous. It's outselling pretty much all of the top titles in 2022, Yeah, and it was canceled. There's a lot of gray area there because the way newsstand was done was it was different than the way the direct market is now where there are no returns you a comic store orders uh what they have and there's very little returnability newsstand had a ton of returnability but they had to tear the covers off and then you know they got credit for you know mailing in the covers that's why you see so many old comics missing part of the cover so a lot of the comics weren't selling as many as that, but it was still blows away anything that they're doing today. (laughs) And in fact, the comics in the sixties were selling a lot less than they were in the forties. The the peak was world war two. That's when, before the paper shortage, which is, yeah, it's just today's writers would kill for the sales. Doom patrol had when they got canceled. (laughs) Yeah. Now remember, I remember it was like 10 years ago, the cutoff point got to like 17,000 copies, (laughs) like for a mainstream DC book that wasn't vertigo, like around 17 K a month was, pretty much when they would pull the plug and then it got down. I I think it's under 10,000 now for what they actually sell. But can you imagine having a book that sells 300,000 copies and it, it doesn't sell well enough for your taste. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some comics today that are still selling exceptionally well. The spawn comics, uh, a lot of the Batman books, berserker, for example. But like, if you look at the top 50, some in the forties, are selling like 30, 40,000 copies. Yeah. You're, the ones those that, are considered a success story. Like, the comics that are selling over 100K are, what, a dozen books? Yeah. I mean, if that, and it's all with gimmick covers. So that's how they make it up, is the disposable income with the gimmick covers. So we can't discuss the Doom Patrol without discussing the X-Men controversy. <laughs> Two comic co- that came out in the same year, where both were a team of misfits led by uh, a guy in a wheelchair little suspect um now arnold drake for a big portion of his life pretty much flat out said he thought stanley stole the idea from him it wasn't until later towards the end of his days that he he acquiesced that it's possible stanley might have just had a similar idea at the same time i I think even and i've i've listened to a lot of interviews with arnold drake and that guy was a character in, in and of himself I think he just softened just in his old age, but he knew, he knew they ripped him off. I I think Marvel really did take that idea. They got wind of it, probably had the bare bones of team of misfits led by a wheelchair bound leader and thought, yeah, we could do that. We'll do it better. And they got it out close enough to get some of the heat off of them. But I I still think that they heard the idea from them. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I like the doom patrol, but they're they're the classic case of uh, at what point, uh, do you stop getting chances? If if I'm not mistaken, over the years, they've had six ongoing titles well, that have been canceled and relaunched. Seven, actually. But uh, <laughs> but who's counting? <laughs> I don't want to count uh, Doom Patrol when uh, worlds collide. Yeah, they've technically had seven titles, two of them with the same writer. They've never been able to hold a title. The record is 87 issues. It's the longest they ever went. And that had three different writers on it. They're just not a big seller for DC. And obviously, the X-Men won that battle made doom well, Patrol almost a footnote it's a classic case of uh is it the fans or the writers because i know like paul kupperberg was a huge doom patrol fan and he was very insistent for years on trying to bring them back yeah. so is this a case of a lot of writers and artists love the doom patrol or is it a case of the fans just 
really want them, but never getting what they want and the book never left. I think it's a case of there, there are some creators in comics that are diehard doom patrol fans and they're just, and there are diehard doom patrol fans like myself out there, but there aren't enough of us to keep it going. Uh, Paul Kupperberg, he was in control of the doom patrol for years from the seventies to the late eighties until they fired him from the book. And then, uh, John Byrne was a huge doom patrol fan and Keith Giffen. They were those three guys. It was like their dream job to put out a doom. Well, isn't, uh, Gerard way. Wasn't he a huge, uh, supposedly? Uh, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Cause I didn't read that. Okay, so Gerard way. He's the guy from my chemical romance. He was a big fan of the Grant Morrison's doom patrol. Uh, okay. So he, I don't think he so much cared about the older material, but he loved Grant Morrison's run and wanted to take his chance at doing something like that, which he tried for his version of Grant Morrison. But what we got was actually his take on Rachel Polak's run of Doom Patrol. <laughs> All right, we're going to get on onto the animation one second, but I do have to ask the one question. We're not going to count the original. What do you think is the best attempt at rebooting the Doom Patrol over the course of the last 50 years? Okay, for rebooting, no question, it's Grant Morrison. Uh, that not even a question that run is fantastic dipped in gold actually <laughs> in fact there i think there are only two doom patrols that ever, ever did work is the arnold drake one and the graham morrison run those are the only two that that really matter all right um so we're gonna go to doom patrol in animation animation remember i know we've been going on for a while but that is the uh the actual theme of the show oh animation is that what we're here for oh yeah <laughs> and uh we're gonna go to when the doom patrol appeared on one of my all-time favorite comic-based animation, Brave and the Bold. We're going to go to uh, the Doom Patrol episode, The Last Patrol, originally aired October 8, 2010. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this is actually the second time the Doom Patrol have appeared in animation. They had appeared in the uh, Teen Titans cartoon. Yeah, that was a two-parter they did on Teen Titans, and it was really good. On that one, they omitted the chief and used Mento to fill in for the chief as the team leader, but that was also a really good story. I highly recommend if you have any interest in Doom Patrol and animation at all. All right, we've done a Brave and the Bold episode, so I'm not going to go into a huge history, but uh, Brave and the Bold is based on the old DC comic, Brave and the Bold, where it's Batman always teaming up with a character. It was aired on Cartoon Network, developed by uh, Michael Jelenic and James Tucker. So every episode would uh, have Batman teaming up with a particular character. What I liked, and this was actually done deliberately, is uh, the creators wanted to delve into a lot of the more obscure characters in the DC universe. Yeah, they do some of the ones that everyone knows, Batgirl, Superman, Catwoman, but you know the Doom Patrol, Commandy, Bawannabees. So it actually is uh, prevents, provides, I should say, a lot of great material. Yeah, that Brave and Bold. There's a lot of deep cuts on this series. That's fantastic. So uh, I ran for three seasons. We're going to season two. Like I said, The Last Patrol, uh, directed by Ben Jones, who directed a handful of the uh, episodes. Written by a uh, comic book writer, uh, in which I always get his name wrong, J.M. Dematis. Dematis, yeah. That's how I always pronounce uh, it. Who wrote several episodes of the show. He also wrote for the Justice League cartoon as well. Yep. He wrote Captain America back in the 80s. He wrote the... Uh, Dr. Fate. He wrote Dr. Series. Fate. He wrote the, the Bwahaha era of the, uh, of the Justice League. That's his claim to fame. <laughs> uh, He's written a lot over the years. People forget how long J.M. DeMattis has been. Uh, co-creator of Nort, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. That's true. He also wrote that uh, Spectre series where Hal Jordan was uh, the Spectre. Oh, he wrote that? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. All right, well, don't not, as, uh, not as great as moment. <laughs> I don't think he's bragging to too many people about no, that series. No. 
Um, I had a letter printed in that letter column in that <laughs> series that Jam Demattis wrote, actually. I'm sure it was glowing with uh, praise of the. It, uh, no, actually, the uh, no, actually, I wrote a letter where I was bashing the whole series and and tearing it down, and then I complimented Ryan Sook's art, and I was and I had like one paragraph where I was talking about how great the art was. They took my letter and cut everything out except for the one compliment I gave, and they posted my compliment. Which I kind of found hilarious. <laughs> it was like I tried to troll them and they trolled me back. Imagine so. how negative the reaction to that series must have been that they had to take a letter trashing the series, editing the bad parts out, and still printing it. They couldn't find enough letters praising the series to put into there. And I was venomous. Like, I, I, like in retrospect now, I admit I was venomous in my letter to them. But I was highly complimentary of the art. And it was, and it was literally like one-fifth of the letter. And they printed it. Now, not to get off track, um, please tell me that that Hal Jordan of the Spectre has been completely retconned and doesn't even get referenced. It never gets mentioned anymore. <laughs> it, it, they don't talk about it. There have been some terrible ideas over the years of DC and Marvel. That Spectre being Hal Jordan could be maybe the worst one. Ugh, truly awful. All right, well, let's get back to the Brave and the Bull, The Last Patrol. We're going to go over some of the uh, credit where credit is due. Uh, another thing, uh, this is, uh, we're not going to get into it because it's not that relevant to the episode. This is the first appearance of Batgirl on Brave and the Bold as well. Oh, was it? Okay, I'm still working my way through the series, so I didn't know she hadn't appeared before that. Because uh, they always did a little intro with a different character that wasn't relevant to the rest of the story to try and test the waters, and this was actually the first appearance of Batgirl. I kind of like that, the way they do that. It's like the end of one adventure and then that you get a taste of, like what it could have been. And, and then, then like sometimes the it comes up like four episodes down the road, like it was like a little teaser to something else. Yeah. So we're going to go over some of the credit. Batman, obviously. Created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Voiced by Diedrich Bader. Everyone knows from the Drew Carey show. That's right. Uh, all the Doom Patrol, I'm not going to go over created because they were all created by Aaron, Arnold Drake, Bob Haney, Bruno, say his Miani name. and Haney. Uh, but <laughs> voice work. Who uh, also worked on Dead Man, by the way. Yeah, okay. Robot Man is voiced by uh, Henry Rollins himself. Ex-lead singer of uh, Black Flag. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I can't think of anything you uh, kids today would know him from. Uh, he was in Sons of Anarchy. He's, I think he was in Johnny Mnemonic. He's been in a, a series of uh, acting roles as well. The kids are missing out. Elastigirl, voiced by Olivia Dabo. Who She's done a lot. Was the uh, the sister on The Wonder Years. Wasn't she, when you were on here last with the Green Lantern episode, I, yeah, didn't she, she do voiced a voice? One of, yeah, she voiced was one she of the Bodica Green Lanterns. Was she Bodica or was... Uh, yeah, it was... Um, now I'm having a brain fart, but yeah, she she uh, voiced one of the alien Green Lanterns on that up on that movie. What a small world! Negative Man. Uh, he was voiced by David K. Hill. This guy couldn't have done a lot because I haven't found <laughs> anything else he did other than this show. And Niles Calder, the chief himself, he's voiced by uh, Richard McGonagall, who was the voice of uh, Abe and Sir on Green Lantern First Flight. Yeah, see, it all comes back to Green Lantern. It's a small world. He also has done many, many. Uh, voices on a lot of different video games and the villain general zal he was created by uh bruno Pramini and uh murray boltonoff yeah they yeah. created him he's voiced by a cory burton uh who has uh done many plenty of voice acting he uh currently for disney voices uh captain hook and dale from chip and dale whenever they appear in anything oh, i did not know that yeah uh, voice hugo strain in batman arkham city as well do they still use hugo strange uh, he does. He's in the Arkham City game. I haven't seen him in a Batman comic in quite a while. That doesn't mean that 
That he's one of, just one of those cool '70s villains you just don't hear. Yeah, much it doesn't necessarily. From I don't anymore. read all the Batman books, so he might pe- appear. But well, you know, maybe there aren't enough Batman books on the shelf for you to find him. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. They had more Batman out there. You you might see Hugo Strong. Uh, there's more villains, uh, but there's so many with some of them hardly having any dialogue. I wasn't going to go over. Oh, then we'll get more into it after we watch the show as well. Which I can't wait. So, on that note, we're going to take a break. We're going to watch Brave and the Bold. The Last Patrol. Watch it yourself and join us in a couple of seconds when we're back to talk about it. Don't go anywhere. This is the story of five fearless superheroes. Justice League 2020! More TV superheroes, just what the world needs. Do you have a photo printer in there somewhere? No. Is it your butt? I bet it's his butt. Are we really the best people to hunt a supervillain? Hell no. Batman, the brave and the bold! Gorilla Grodd attacks Batman! Batman must get the transforming Batmobile and race into action! Watch out for the cliff! Quick, transform into Batjet with massive wingspan. Launch your missiles and take Gorilla Grodd down. Transform back to Batmobile and send this giant gorilla back behind bars. Batman, the brave and the bold, transforming Batmobile and action figures each sold separately. Beast Boy is home for Thanksgiving with the Doom Patrol. Give us a hug. And let's just say it's going to be... Extreme! Extreme turkey! (laughs) That's so gross. (laughs) Extreme parade floats. Extreme dancing. Pretty much everything in this show is... Extreme! Teen Titans Go! presents a Doom Patrol Thanksgiving, the half-hour special, Friday at 8, on your Cartoon Network. Meanwhile, behind the facade of this innocent-looking podcast... And we are back. We just watched Brave and the Bold, The Last Patrol. Gotta say, uh, this cartoon, not just this episode, but... I. In general, this cartoon is is a constant delight. Never fails to please. (laughs) The show is a hoot and a holler. When you think about the brave and the bold, you know, doing it as like this funny throwback 60s type show, you think, ah, that might not work. But it really works. It's so well made. The animation's great. It's fun. It's snappy. Every episode I've seen has been fantastic. And this one was no exception. We open with Killer Moth has got Batman trapped fighting a giant moth. Right off the bat, I gotta say, Killer Moth. I always thought it was coolest looking villain, but he's actually terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like Kite Man and Calendar Man, and you know, he's just not a great villain. But yeah, he does have a cool look costume to him. In the middle of it, Batgirl shows up to try and save the day. She's fighting the minions. Meanwhile, Batman cuts the glass, gets himself free. Him and uh, Batgirl have a uh, little conversation where we find out this is actually the first meeting of the two. Yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of a neat little thing there. Batman's first meeting with Batgirl. You find out this is actually a flashback. Batman and Batgirl are currently in a death trap by the Penguin, and Batman and Batgirl are reminiscing about the first time they meet. In fact, Batgirl says, death traps always make her nostalgic. And then we go right to the credits. (laughs) I know. (laughs) We don't even see how it all works out. They go from their first meeting to 
reminiscing while they're hanging from a, looks like a James Bond lair. First, it looked like the volcano from the, <laughs> from a, you only live twice. And then we get the, another death trap with the penguin in it. Penguin's going to lower them into a series of razor sharp umbrellas. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. So we have to go with the assumption they lived because it never gets referenced in the rest of the <laughs> They could have. Yeah, they might have died. They open up with a little montage of the Doom Patrol with a narrator saying how uh, young kids loved them. They were the hero to everybody. Um, have a montage of all sorts of uh, battles they got into. I'm going to assume some of those are directly from Silver Age appearances. Uh, oh, every one of those shots was from Doom Patrol cover. Not really the interiors themselves, but at least they were homaging Doom Patrol covers from that run of... Uh, that Which, series. That's actually happened a lot in the show where they, they nostalgic actual stuff from the Silver Age. Yeah, that's cool. Um, uh, we only got 22 minutes to tell a tale, you know, so but you know, the way they sneak these little Easter eggs in there is young, fun. Young kids love them. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> I can't tell you how many you know, beatniks in the 60s were all about the Doom Patrol. <laughs> Even today, it's a generational thing. The narrator comments about how after a incident with uh, General Zal in Paris... Uh, they vanished and nobody knows why. And then we go to the chief alone in his mansion, watching, talking about how they, uh, the Doom Patrol's days are done. But who should appear but the brain and Monsieur Mala? Monsieur Mala in the brain. <laughs> how awesome is that? The Brotherhood of Evil. Now, I don't normally make sweeping generalizations, but if you're a comic fan, you don't love the brain and Monsieur Mala. I really, I really don't have any time for you. Yeah, I can't help you if you don't. They, they are awesome. It's a French-speaking gorilla who wears a beret, a beret, <laughs> built of bullets across his chest, with and a, a with a brain in a jar, a brain in a jar who calls the shots. It's amazing. Now they've kind of gone back and forth over the years on brain being French. Um, sometimes he is, sometimes he isn't. Like in the live-action show, he's not French. Yeah, is I the character it, actually uh, supposed to be French? I, not really. I, it was always because he had like a computerized voice, so you really couldn't tell. Um, this is like a computerized French accent. Yeah, it was supposed to, you know, sound like Stephen Hawking. You know, it was supposed to be that kind of thing. And Monsieur Mala was the one with the clear accent, but it works having them both be French if you need to. The chief says uh, the Doom Patrol no more. There's no reason to fight. Which the brain says it's the perfect time to fight and die <laughs> and die. Now, kind of baffling, Batman just is there for really no reason, just Whatsoever. shows up. No, nah, he's just there to showboat in his way into their story. Which uh, which Batman loves to do. You know. There's a fight with them all. <laughs> the cheese wheelchair is just ridiculous at this point. <laughs> he never had anything like that. I mean, in the 60s, he just had like the old metal wheelchair. Like He's got this. like this one that's like flying, shooting missiles. <laughs> it's like force fields. <laughs> What can it do other than help him walk? <laughs> they finally do defeat them both, and uh, the brain says how your beloved patrol is doomed. Batman does comment that uh, they can't take that threat lightly and calls Chief old friend, so apparently Batman's They've known got the some Doom history. Patrol. We switch to a uh, luxury resort where it looks like it's supposed to be Greece, but I'm not sure. Maybe that's just the decor of the resort, but it looks like it's supposed to be in Greece. Yeah. And uh, Rita is there. Fat. <laughs> you got fat shame Rita Farno. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> Just commenting that uh, she's there relaxing by the pool. Fat says they're out of tortilla chips. <laughs> she's uh yeah. Rita's clearly let herself go in her retirement. And she's attacked by the mutant master. I'm not that familiar with this one. So 
He said mutant masters singular. So is he like a hive mind of three different people? Yeah, or are they like, supposed to be the mutant masters? The mutant masters, like the three of them together. And they, the look, they got it just right, actually. it's it, There was like, I think, one appearance that they had within the series. Uh, one of them looks kind of like Armin Zola because he's got the face in the chest. One's head is a giant eyeball. One has the, the hands that are eyeballs. <laughs> it was back in those days where they were just creating monsters like... Stan Lee would have, you know, like Volthoom and Boom and Throom, and they just had these like weird brute monsters in comics all the time. And DC did the same thing. She even says, Don't you three have anything better to do? Shoo, go away, rob a bank or something. <laughs> She's not having it. She's not interested. She just no. wants to eat her bonbons and sit by the pool and look at the pool boys. Yeah, wants nothing to do with it. But uh, they do attack. Batman shows up to help her out. Um, after the fight, she says that she is actually retired after what had happened in Paris. This mysterious Paris incident. And uh, Batman, by the way, this is an ongoing theme. It's very curt. You're a hero, not some overfed, self-indulgent baby. <laughs> well, yeah, Batman doesn't have any powers. He's probably disgusted with these people who they take their powers for granted, and he has to work hard for what he does. And he's looking at this, this broad sitting there eating bonbons by the pool, and he's just wants to slug her in the face yeah this this broad we're very uh progressive here <laughs> i mean in the you know the the, the way it's taken back in the day the fine refined young lady <laughs> um, the classy rita Farr. she does grow giant saving the day which is uh pretty cool they kind of had to at the beginning in the 60s i i she didn't seem like that much of a freak to me. She seemed to still be a hot chick who just could grow big. They've, no, she was like the niece from the Munsters. <laughs> you know, everyone else is a freak, but the girl has to really still be pretty. Rita was, she was the pretty on the outside, but the monster on the inside was the theme with her. And and they did the same thing with Crazy Jane later on. Crazy Jane looked normal on the outside, was a freak on the inside, while the other ones were visually freaks on the outside. They played more with it over the years of Rita having like the blob type effect and whatnot. Yeah, so. yeah, that all came later. So after they saved the day, uh, we switched to a carnival. That negative man is out. Now there's a lot of, I don't know, I assume you noticed they had a Flex Mentalo poster, yes, they had I a did. Beast Boy poster. Every one of those posters had something to do, was an homage to something in the Which was uh, pretty awesome. Uh, negative man gets introduced to about I don't know, 12 people. <laughs> so he's not much of a draw. No, no, he's not putting any butts in seats. He does his bit with the negative man flying out and doing it. The audience boos him. I know. <laughs> Have you ever been somewhere where you saw a, a black energy being fly out of a person, fly around the sky and jump back in their body and you're not impressed? And they throw tomatoes at him. A tough crowd. <laughs> Now, I can see if they're not that impressed, maybe cricket sound effect, but they boo him, they throw tomatoes. Not even a tumbleweed. I was impressed. I would have been if I were them, but okay. they, I guess they'd seen a lot more impressive things than we're used to. The only thing that's ever stuck in my craw about Negative Man is when he's pretty much helpless once the thing leaves his spirit. So it's like Avatar with the, uh, when you leave the Avatar body, it's yeah, just lying there doing nothing. Yeah, it's docile and, and vulnerable to attack or whatever. But. He's done with this uh, three-ring circus. He quits. Who should appear at that point? But maybe the greatest name villain in history, the Animal Vegetable yes. Mineral Man. <laughs> animal Vegetable Mineral Man, AVM. That is awesome. And he looked perfect, too. He looked great. They had the, the 60s uh, singlet that he had on, and they even had the white hair because he was a Swedish dude named Sven. Not like the TV show where they had a different character there, but they actually looked like the comic book version. That was fun. 
he's pretty much uh, demolishing a negative man. But Chief, Rita, and Batman, they come to save the day. In fact, uh, this actually gets the crowd to cheer, you know, when they actually fight negative man. They, they stop booing. They finally got a pop for the Doom Patrol. Which, <laughs> Batman again goes right up to Larry and says, hey, lose the negative attitude. <laughs> His name is Negative Man. <laughs> At this point, Batman is deduced that there's some sinister plot to reunite the Doom Patrol. Them being attacked by old villains is not a coincidence. No, doesn't seem that way. Seems like there are somebody's trying to pull some strings. We switch to Cliff Steel, Robot Man. He's test driving vehicles. He's basically a glorified uh, crash, test, crash dummy. test dummy. <laughs> That's awesome. He's actually pretty annoyed because uh, the car's trash and he barely gets a scratch and he wants to do it all over again. That's his self-destructive spirit. Coming what do you out? stand on? Robot Man actually wearing clothes like in the live action version or just not wearing because he's essentially naked if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, he's a robot. I, well, I like it in the that's one of the things I liked about the Grant Morrison series with him putting clothes on him. It was it was him being out of touch with reality and he's trying to do anything he can desperately to feel like a man. So he was just going through the motions of being a man, even though he's not. So it brought up some cool concepts in the 90s series. So he leaves, he's in the parking lot looking pretty miserable, it's raining, and then all of a sudden he's attacked by the Arsenal, who, uh, it's kind of mad, because Cliff doesn't really fight back, you know, he says he's got no fight left in him, and the Arsenal wants a challenge. He's not really tooling on him, but he's not, Cliff's not really putting up much of a fight. But then, uh, the Doom Patrol show up, and Negative Man says, uh, hands off! He may be an obnoxious antisocial jerk, but he's our obnoxious antisocial jerk. <laughs> Well, they need something to snap Cliff out of it, you know, get him out of his funk. And uh, he's fighting with them. That snaps Cliff out of it because he says, hey, these losers are the closest thing I have to family. Yeah, exactly. So you had him, they all had their own little pity party, but you have to have like a different way quickly to tell the narrative of how they get out of their pity party and come around. And one is don't mess with Cliff's friends. Uh, after they defeat him, you find out that Batman deliberately stayed out of the fight to snap Robot Man out of it. Yeah, it seems awful. Awful manipulative on Batman's part. And right at that point, General Zal shows up on this big warship. I don't know what I just said there. Warship is what I meant to say. Warship? <laughs> it's a shop of war. And he easily defeats them shooting these giant missiles with gas things. By the way, General Zal, um, the Nazi yeah, thing sort of got kinda, forgot. <laughs> yeah, it was the old Hydra thing, you know. Uh, he's got a Nazi-esque uniform on, but, you know, they can't really. Now, he died during the all-new Teen Titans. Did they ever bring him back? No, no, they they haven't done anything with him. Not that there's he's not that great he of a character. Get away in that in that issue originally. Back yeah, he killed the Doom Patrol originally and he got and away. Just, just drives off with uh, Madame Rouge giving him crap because she's all mad that he actually went through with it. And they weren't avenged until like literally that was over a decade later in New yeah. Teen Titans when they finally resolved that yeah, story. That was in the '60s and it wasn't until the '80s. So yeah, yeah like, it was like 15 years. Yeah, I think it was like 1981 when that came in. Maybe yeah. 1982. So. Yeah, that was a pretty unresolved storyline. Yeah, <laughs> even even uh, Paul Kupperberg, as much as he loved the New Patrol, didn't address it. Well, I mean, he addressed it, but he didn't deal with that lingering plot thread. So they're all captured on a boat. You know, it's a classic Batman's upside down. That was a utility belt. She's under a giant um, net, net, I assume, negates her growing powers. You know, the whole Nagila. He got them back together again because he wants to show the world that they're actually not heroes, but frauds and cowards. 
and they feed off the adoration of fans because <laughs> that you know the Doom Patrol had a ton of adoration from fans. Clearly, the kids love them. The kids love them. They're supposed to be misfits and outcasts, and all of a sudden you find out they're this uh, counterculture thing. Exactly, the it's the '60s. It was all about counterculture. counterculture. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Yeah, sure does. So they go a flashback to Paris, where after they had defeated Zal, he has a hostage. And he says that uh, they should take her place. And they uh, they couldn't do it because it would risk the lives of everyone in Paris. So they try and stop him. But he actually pulls the trigger and actually kills her. And kills. They clearly imply that the girl got shot in the head and that they couldn't make it to him in time to stop him. This is kind of shocking to me for a, a car, especially something on Cartoon Network. Like, yeah. That, I mean, they, they've dealt with death before. Like they had referenced the Waynes dying. Uh, they referenced the original Blue Beetle had uh had died at this point, but right. this one was uh, was kind of surprising, especially for a uh, cartoon. Yeah, I- I'm kind of impressed that they actually did what they did. So that that's why the Doom Patrol broke up and went their separate ways. They couldn't deal with with the law that with they the guilt of what happened that girl. So right out of the comic books, Zal puts them on one island rigged with explosives, and then another island, Codsville, Maine, with explosives. The Doom Patrol has to decide which island is going to blow up. Yeah, it's like right out of um, that Dark Knight movie where uh, the Joker has to, hey, you have a choice between the two boats yes, with exactly. bombs on them, and you got to figure out who's going to go and who's not. Except the only difference Proving is- the Dark Knight ripped off Doom Patrol. <laughs> Zing! There we go. The only difference is uh, the people on Codsville don't have anything. They're at the mercy of the Doom Patrol. Yeah, yeah. yeah they. they- <laughs> That would have been great if they actually had a button they could decide to. Um, this is actually exactly how they got killed in the uh, comic book. And uh, not only do they have to decide, it's going to be televised live across the world. Across the world. Yeah, I'm amazed at how close they got to the co- actual comic in this episode. I mean, Madame Rouge isn't there, and Batman obviously wasn't there in the comic, but more or less, they were on one island, the, you know, 14 people in on the other island and they had to make a choice it's pretty similar and, uh, they have two minutes to decide <laughs> and then right when he notices batman's escaped he can't believe it the batman says hey houdini didn't need a utility belt to escape and neither do i yeah i don't think zal was going to be able to keep batman under control for very long uh, at this point though batman has to take on the entire brotherhood of evil by himself which is pretty impressive when you think about it when it's you know, Arsenal, the Animal Vegetable Mineral Man, Monsieur Mala, the Brain. Well, they have to throw a they have to throw some kind of challenge at Batman to justify why you know the story is going to turn out the way it does and why he doesn't just save the day for everybody. Uh, the Doom Patrol have big uh, discussion, really great heroic speech about how over the years the Pilgrims were normal people that made tough decisions. The peasants stood up to the pharaohs of Egypt. They have to be heroes as well. Batman actually defeats Zal, gets that plunger, and destroys it, thinking that everything is all right. But but you find out that that wasn't the real detonator all along. Aha. And since the Doom Patrol had already made the decision, Zal does actually blow up the island. He's got another second button to detonate the bomb <laughs> that he presses, and Batman is aghast. All the fans watching, they're shocked at what just happened. But Televised around the world. Around the world. <laughs> They all are... Uh, People are in Times Square wearing Doom Patrol t-shirts watching this on... Which was a little weird being that they'd, they'd broken up like years ago. Why? Yeah, and there's this guy these... just happened to be wearing a Doom Patrol shirt? Yeah, there's a few people in the crowd that were wearing Doom Patrol paraphernalia. One girl had like a Rita Farr like knockoff like, Yeah, she shirt. had a little belly shirt on and... 
And they're all like... They were over. They start in unison. We are the Doom Patrol. Uh, and everyone that starts That did not chanting. happen in the original comic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zal cannot believe it. The world loves them. Even Hell. in death, they've defeated him. Aha. Yeah, they got the last laugh on Zal, even in, even in death. They, they, he made him a martyr. I guess in Zal's mind, they really were going to be like whimpering cowards and say, yeah, nope, go ahead. That's, them that, up. that's like, what Zal wanted. He wanted to prove that they would just, they would uh, be selfish and choose their own lives over, over other people. But this time he would have evidence of it as he broadcast it to the world and he would ruin their careers, even though they were already broken up. He reunited them just yes. to destroy them again. <laughs> they were already disgraced and done. He brought them back together just to make them look like chumps. And in fact, did the opposite effect. Making the world love them again. That's, that's pretty petty for a villain, isn't it? That's really petty. I, I almost have to admire that. I'm going to bring you out of retirement so I can humiliate you in front of the world because I realized there, was, there were no cell phones when I did it the first time, so I, I couldn't humiliate you. Well, if he humiliates them and no one cares... What, what really what did, happen? Yeah, what is really accomplished? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yes, you got to build... You know the old... You got to build them up to bring them back down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I kind of yeah, I kind of like that. You see that Codsville has uh, changed the name of their uh, island to Four Heroes. Ooh, that was right out of the comic too. This is great moment of Batman somberly looking at the sunset, reflecting on what just happened. Where there's a silhouette of the Doom Patrol in the clouds. <laughs> They're all there, and Batman says, "Rest well, heroes." <laughs> Which got a pretty heavy ending for a uh, essentially a children's cartoon. Yeah, it was a it was a heavy ending for the comic. I mean, it made that was really the most memorable thing about the comic to non fans was how they actually met their end in the end of that series, and for them to actually pull off the same ending in this cartoon was really really pretty cool to see. And there you have it, Brave and the Bold, the Last Patrol, which is odd to me that they uh, they introed and killed them on the same episode. You know, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you're not going to see them come back in any future episodes. Whatever, on three seasons? Three seasons, yeah. And that was the second season. Some characters, Commandy, Blue Beetle, are on, like, multiple episodes. I, I think Blue Beetle might have, yeah, the Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle, right? Yes. He's in more episodes than anybody, maybe? Maybe Green Arrow might. Green Arrow was for, in a lot. He yeah. was in a lot. Maybe Aquaman. They loved Green oh, Arrow Aqu and Aquaman. Aquaman is fantastic if you've if you've never seen the show do yourself a favor and at least pull up an episode of aquaman in it he's great the one where he has his own sitcom <laughs> oh my god i just howl every time i see that it's so good his voice too the big booming voice all right we're gonna go right into our review starting off with our spectrometer anyone new to the show we rank what we see with the spectrometer. Zero spectros being absolute garbage. Four spectros being it just doesn't get any better. Dave, how many spectros are you going to give Brave and the Bold, The Ooh. Last Patrol? Oh, man. I, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was um it was snappy, move fast. It was pretty faithful to the comic, considering you had to weave Batman into the story that he didn't originally exist in. I thought they did a really good job with that. Um What's four? Four, uh, four is the best. You can't get any better than four. Meter. I'm going to go with three and a half. And that is a well-deserved three and a half. It's just really fun. I, yeah, loved it. All right. That was my review as well. I'm giving it three and a half spectros. It's up to par. Great episode like always. My only flaw at all is 
I, I, it's just a little odd to me that they kill him on the same episode they introed him. You know, I, I think maybe they deserved a two-parter at least or something like that. Yeah. Like, well, you I, get the two-parter on that Teen Titans one, which is also different tone, but it's definitely worth watching. But yeah, it would have been nice to see them come back and. But a small complaint, still great. I yeah. love this cartoon. It's it's actually my fourth favorite comic book animated show of all time. I mean, I would have liked to have seen Madame's. I mean, uh, Madame Rouge on the boat with Zal, but based on how they did the plot, they really couldn't justify putting her in there. So I, I get it. But other than that, great. What did you think out there? You couldn't have probably you couldn't liked it much better than we did, but you might have liked it less. Let us know what you think about it. You can go to my social media and let us know. I always like to hear from you, uh, Matt. Matt Spectro on Twitter. You can follow me while you're there. Facebook, uh, Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Follow me while you're there and give me your opinion. We like to hear it. I don't think uh, you could like it any better, but you might like it less. I'd like to hear what you didn't like about it, if you didn't. Or if you want to just say, hey, you guys are correct. It is a great show. I want to hear from that as well. As always, if a child in 2022 came across Brave and the Bold, The Last Patrol, what do you think? They enjoy it? I, I think today's kids would enjoy this. This this show is modern enough, even with the uh, retro feel to the show, and it's so well done that I think kids of today would like this show. I agree as well. It's colorful. It's fun and exciting. It's not too heavy. My stepson's fifteen. He watched. We're watching the whole series together. He enjoys it. I would say that um, as well. I think they would like it a lot. The only flaw is maybe they wouldn't be unfamiliar with the characters, but that's like kind of a minor flaw. Yeah, but they're already familiar with Batman, so you're just meeting whoever he's with that week so fair enough they get exposed to all these cool characters i i think kids five ten like you know with your stepson 15 my son's 21 he loves this entire series i love it and i'm a grown man i, I love it i think it's great it's like i said it's it, my fourth favorite all-time favorite comic book yeah, animation it works as something you can watch as a family it's very highly entertaining and it's clean but still like you said you know they can do some risque things where they're putting nazis and killing people on <laughs> in an episode and get away with it because the way they did it Rank it, strictly speaking, as a doom as a representation of the Doom Patrol. You know, take Batman out of it, Brave and the Bull, the cartoon as a whole. You know, how do you really rank it as such a like, like you said, the expert on the Doom Patrol? I would give it a I would give it a solid B as as far as representing the Doom Patrol. I mean, they and I mean that in a good way, not you know, B as being anything bad. I mean, they you've got the ma- the core characters. You don't need to have Beast Boy or Mento in there. You just need those four, and you got them in their sixties look. So it's the classic Silver Age look. You kind of got an idea for how they all acted. Um, their characterization, you know, with the Cliff being the everyman. And yeah, yeah, I thought it worked really well. If there's any other Doom Patrol experts, I know you you won't, you'll be second banana to, to my Doom Patrol expert, but yeah, uh, I, it, I, it, <laughs> yeah. I, I might be first, second, third, and fourth banana. Um, <laughs> if one of your little Twitter followers you know, wants to listen to this episode, realize that you're just not in the same ballpark as me when it comes to Doom Patrol fandom. All right. Um, I want to thank uh, my second most popular guest for coming back to join us. Working my way on number one, but um happy to be number two. If you have anything to plug, the floor is now yours. Go ahead. Uh, f- basically, I don't do social media because I don't want to interact with people on social media. <laughs> but if you are so inclined... I am an, uh, one of the two admin on a forum for Green Lantern. It's the Green Lantern Core. If you look it up, it's the Green Lantern Core, one word. If you want to encounter a bunch of uh, middle-aged, jaded Green Lantern fans and you want to interact <laughs> with us as we bitch and whine and complain about the state of the Green Lantern mythos, we'd love to meet you. 
<laughs> you make it sound so appealing. Oh, I do. No, we have a good time. But, you know, it's uh, it's basically after the movie ended with Green Lantern, uh, the, a lot of the Johnny Come Lately fans went away. So it's, it's a lot of hardcore fans there, but some good guys. And uh, we'd love to see some new faces. Oh, I want to thank Dave Walker for joining us. I want to thank you all for listening. Um, if you could also uh, subscribe to my podcast, that'd be great as well. And share it with people. I really appreciate it. And... You don't want to miss next week. It's a year in the making. Episode 50, the one-year anniversary of Matt Spectro through the multiverse, where we're bringing back the most popular guest in the history of my show. Until then, you have a good week. Join us again next week for the 50th episode, the one-year anniversary. Until then, Dave Walker, Matt Spectro, signing out. See you.